breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Well, you just go on there and keep on listening to the Glitter Boys. Welcome back, friends and listeners, to another episode of The Glitter Boys. This is NPC Today. Matthew has been unable to make it when <laughs> scheduling has been difficult uh, because of life and its complications. <laughs> but thankfully, on the very last minute, I was able to get a previous guest host to come back. Just Jacob. Hello. Yeah, both of us went to WagonCon, me and Jacob, uh, back in... Uh, uh, beginning of this month mm-hmm. had, a, had a grand old time and oh god it was only the beginning of this month <laughs> yeah it was only the beginning of this month and then right after i got back home from wagon con i got covid which means i probably picked it up at the convention but covid resulted in me losing my voice and my will to do much of anything for mm-hmm. several days and then by the time that i was coming back out of it Matthew's voice was gone, and he's been going through some sickness and stuff, so scheduling has been a gigantic pain in the butt. Yeah, but hey, it was a great wagon con up until the aftermath. (laughs) It was pretty awesome. I ran mm, two sessions this year. I played, I ran a Palladium Fantasy session, and I ran a Nightbane session, and both were very good. What about you, Jacob? Well, I ended up so it was my significant other's first time at WagonCon. And honestly, it was also pretty much their first time actively participating at a gaming con. Oh. And so it was, I was helping the newbie learn the ropes and such. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. Uh, I have never been more thankful I missed a bunch of Rifts games since that <laughs> appears to be where the ground zero for the COVID was. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, my partner got it and I got it and Buckley, one of the hosts, got it. And apparently he says other people, but I didn't really catch or follow up on any mm-hmm. names. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, it, it happened. I ended up getting to run one game session of Delta Green. I had hoped to run more, but Due to a lot of things going on, there was not as much time to prep ahead of Wagon Con as I had hoped. So I was only prepped for one session and it went swimmingly. Yeah. And I look forward to doing more next year. Uh, what's so. the quick synopsis of Delta Green? Delta Green. Uh, the very quick synopsis is imagine and. There's a huge backstory here. We'll keep it simple. And I know there will be screaming in the comments about this from anyone who's a Delta Green fan. But imagine X-Files meets Call of Cthulhu. And that's the entire thing. You're uh, agents of the government working in a entirely deniable black program that is attempting to contain Eldritch forces. Okay. Except that, like, the U.S. government doesn't really know what the big bad is. They just, they keep seeing the symptoms, the signs, the weird stuff going on. So it's not like they have a huge clue what they're dealing with. It's 
like they don't understand the disease. They're only dealing with the symptoms. And okay. so it's it's not like a conspiracy X game where you the organization you're working for has all the clues and stuff. And it's a great game where you can pull in and everything from an FBI agent to a JSOC military operator to your research librarian from the university who happens to know a lot about um, ancient Uru culture and that sort of thing. So it's it's a great system. Okay. Who's it by? The original, it's now published by Arc Dream Publishing. However, the people who do the writing for it are all from the original Delta Green uh, team that did the original Delta Green rules, totally under the Chaosium Call of Cthulhu rule set. Oh. Um, it has been adapted. It You can still clearly see the bones of Call of Cthulhu in there, but it's been tightened up made more genre appropriate uh quality of life changes some improvements in how things like insanity work that's far more real world and um less skills not a ton less but less skills more concentrated more genre appropriate okay that eh, that sounds pretty good so but it's rooted in the basic role-playing yeah, yeah very much so uh with some quality of life improvements there's a critical success critical failure system built into it now that's really nice mm-hmm. um lots of key assumptions uh, are built in like if you have a skill of a certain level you automatically succeed um Ooh. and, and yeah, like yeah, yeah and i mean it's depends on what you're trying to do and the scenario but like if somebody wanders in with an 80 computer use skill and has to access a computer do you really make them roll for it yeah. <laughs> so yeah that that sounds a lot like how i do skills in palladium yep. actually yep um, the inspiration that i got was rooted in a game called unknown armies where just having the skill at a even a, a small enough percentage base percentage was enough to let you just do it in most cases you know and there is actually a small amount of crossover between the writers for delta green and the writers for uh, unknown armies and so if you're familiar with unknown armies uh like the critical success critical failure system is the same doubles yeah yeah doubles under doubles Doubles over exactly Mm, i like that yep yep it was one of the best quality of life improvements they built in there so well, getting us back to the topic at hand of Palladium Games, we today are in our recording session going to do several episodes, kind of uh, probably shorter episodes where we focus on individual game mechanics of the Palladium system. Lately, and as lately I mean over the last few months, I see recurring questions pop up in some of the forums and some of the chat rooms of how do I calculate this or why are my attacks sucking or why am I not as effective as I think my character should be and why does this guy do way better even though he's not really on paper that much better. So uh, a lot of that has to do with figuring out your numbers, knowing where they go, knowing what adds here, knowing what doesn't add there. And with Palladium... Even even today, after, what, 40 years mm-hmm. now, it's still kind of difficult to figure out, mainly a lot of times due to 
organization of the books, mm -hmm. presentation of the materials, the fact that there's so many books mm -hmm. and each book assumes that you've probably read the first, the previous book, which assume that you read the one before that and so on. So they just keep adding more. How many Palladium books are out there now? Dude, I don't even know. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think the rifts. Uh, I, I couldn't even tell you. I mean, yeah. how many rifters are there now? Uh, 85. 85. So yeah. we're, we're well within the range of either approaching or slightly over 200 books. Yeah, I, I think we're at least in the 30s on Rifts World books. Uh, man, I feel like I'm losing my, my cred here because I couldn't tell you. <laughs> and my shelf is immediately behind you. I'm just, I can't see the numbers. And Quick turning around, looking at the... <laughs> shelf yeah. that uh, oh wow that looks a lot like an altar are you in some sort of cult man <laughs> yeah yeah it's called fandom uh anyway the first one we're kicking off today is a discussion on min maxing defending it and uh tearing it apart in equal measure mm -hmm. so jacob when i had proposed this in our quick conversation online you had proposed uh uh an episode title of In Defense of Min-Maxing. Mm -hmm. so that leads me to believe that you have some words in defense of min-maxing. Yes. I honestly, if it's appropriate for the type of game you're trying to run, and when I say type, I'm not talking rule set. I'm talking the style of game, high cinematic action or uh, competency porn games. Really leaning in to allowing min-maxing isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, take a look. John Wick is one of the min-maxed out the <laughs> people out there. Like, his social skills ain't great. We know what his dump stat was. But, oh my God, is yeah. he like a combat savant? And so min-maxing has its place. Even though I totally, totally understand, I'm not a min-maxer by, by inclination. I mean, you've seen enough of my characters at the table to know that I kind of actively avoid it. <laughs> um, but the fact is that there's a place for it. And if it's done well without leaning over into the, the power gamer, it's got a place. I mean... The only time I really find min-maxing to be annoying is when it's also paired with a rules lawyer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay. If you would, Jacob, uh, we're assuming that people who are listening even know what we're talking mm -hmm. about. And being a niche fandom podcast, that could be a safe assumption. But on the off chance that someone doesn't know what these words we're using mean, mm -hmm. Jacob, can you tell me what min-maxing is? So usually when we're talking min-maxing, you are doing whatever you can under the rule set you're playing under to make your character as inhumanly good as possible in a very small section of skills or abilities or outcomes like I want to be min-maxed with a, with a sword, I want to be min-maxed in combat, and dumping all your worst stats, ignoring all of your potential 
good stuff in another area. Picking the racial uh, character class that pairs the absolute best with your occupational character Mm -hmm. class to get a desired outcome. That's min-maxing. And I think today we would refer to that in a much more or in a much less uh, controversial light as building. Mm -hmm. Like oftentimes, especially with something like 5th edition D&D or really any of the D&Ds in the last two decades, you are... Encouraged to optimize, yeah, to build, but really that's just mid maxing, yeah, <laughs> just putting the right numbers to get the most numbers back from the system. Well, I can't speak authoritatively yeah. to D and D fourth edition. The rise of acceptance of min maxing or quote unquote optimization really started to break out in third edition Dungeons and Dragons and definitely, definitely came strong in fifth. Oh, and Pathfinder. Oh, Pathfinder's nothing but. (laughs) Nothing but, (laughs) yeah. The, because I do remember the term from way before then, but oftentimes, so min-maxing at the, when I was uh, first getting into RPGs in the realm of Palladium Fantasy first edition and AD&D first and second edition, Min-maxing was some um, was a term that we threw around, but I remember it was often <sighs> conflated with two other terms: power gamer and munchkin. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at the time, those three terms were largely synonymous. That there are, you know, deeper nuances and mm-hmm. what someone might mean if they choose one term over the other provided they know all three terms, but at least back then, before things like third edition really became super, uh, really brought it into the limelight, that was, those three terms were largely synonymous. These days, I almost never hear the term munchkin anymore, Mm -hmm. ever, except outside of a game by that exact same name. And Power Gamer has taken on a different connotation to mean somebody who just wants to be in the scene at the moment, stealing the spotlight, they have to be the best. They have to kick the most ass. They have to get the best treasure. Mm-hmm. That is a style of play. Mm-hmm. So, uh, not sure where I was going with that tangent. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's good for historical reference, yeah. and I think it actually sets the groundwork for I think where we're going on this conversation mm-hmm. because. Like I said, I don't inherently see anything wrong with min-maxing as long as it fits the game uh, because it does allow the creation of those over-the-top characters Mm -hmm. who are defying the odds through a massive level of skill and ability and the being more than the right person in the right place at the right time with the right tools. Yeah. So in Palladium's rules, let's take into account the modern edition. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at second ed fantasy. We're looking at Rift's ultimate edition. We're looking at the later stuff that is all more or less in line with the megaverse. Mm -hmm. In let's just go with Rift. In Rift's, the basic approach to mid-maxing, I find tends to be, it tends to start with your choice of race. Mm-hmm. looking for the best combination that you can get and then mix it with the class. But if let's ignore races for now and mm-hmm. just go with a default rift character, which assumes you're human proper min maxing in that system as a human 
is built upon the assumption that your GM does not enforce down the line stat rolling. Mm-hmm. A lot more difficult to do to min max when you have to let the dice lay where they fall and total them as is. I would say that from my experiences playing and running, the most common, almost a standard house rule is rolling a human, roll 46, drop the lowest, assign them in any order you wish. Mm-hmm. So you can build the best character that you want. Yep. That tends to be the standard. It's not how the book says to do it, but that tends to be what everybody does. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, again, there are many exceptions. Y'all out there probably do things differently. Who knows? That just is what I've encountered the most. Yeah. And with that right there, you're like, okay, my highest stat, I, I want to I wanna go fast. So I want that, that parry dodge and strike. So PP. My second highest, uh, you know, I want to hit hard. So strength. Mm-hmm. After that, I'm going to put in physical endurance. After that, I'm going to put in speed. Then, mm-hmm. then everything all the way down to the last two stats being mental affinity and physical beauty. Who needs them? Mm-hmm. I'm a robot mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. Yeah. So as we back in the day would refer to as a dump stat, that being the stat that you put your lowest rolled numbers into. Yep. And and that's a huge thing. Like the moment you go from roll them down the line with or without throwing in an extra die and dumping the lowest to being able to assign stats, you've already crossed the Rubicon into min-maxing country. Mm -hmm. And, you know... Obviously, things like PP are commonly the ones you'll see have most heavily min-maxed, although there are exceptions. Uh, you know, any magic-using class would probably min-max their stats differently. Psionic classes definitely will. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, But yeah, yeah, you're definitely going for an optimal combination. So after you've got that, I would say that, again, beyond the race class combination... The next step would be skills. And this is the case where, unfortunately, physical-based min-maxing tends to be more common mm-hmm. due to the existence of physical skills. But there are no mental skills unless you're using some of the Rifter custom stuff that adds them. So, you know, you're, you're going to build a combat monster, which means you're going to your physical skills. So you're going to knock off as many of your other skill choices and your secondary skill choices so first, we look at the secondary skills. What of the physical skills are we allowed to take as secondary skills? All mm-hmm. right, we take all of those that we can. Then we start filling out the other or the elective skills, as they used to call them, mm-hmm. with, the, with the high-end physical skills. Mm-hmm. Question number one, or sorry, question number one, what can we put in the secondary skills? Do that. Question number two, does our class allow boxing, gymnastics, and acrobatics? Right, right. Great. Yeah. We're going to take those. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, yeah. step one, figure out out of your skill selection, where can I put boxing and gymnastics? <laughs> yep. Well, uh, it looks like you don't really know how to do much of anything else. I don't care. Someone else in the party is going to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's absolutely 100% my thoughts on the issue as well. And then you can go further into it, like there's the figuring out the best race that will pair with what you want to do, and you then get into, oh, equipment selection. <laughs> I mean, we're especially if we're talking about rifts, but just about any palladium mm-hmm. system out there, you know, what piece of equipment pairs best with my particular skills, no matter 
And you can get into the absurd section of no matter whether it makes sense or not. You yeah. Know? And and at that point, you start running into that old power gamer slash munchkin territorial. You can if you start like really pressing the game master for things that don't inherently make sense. Yeah. And that's one of those situations where hopefully your GM knows what they're getting into when they say, oh, just pick anything from a book. <laughs> famous last words as a game famous master. last words i've <clears throat> i've inserted my feet into my mouth after saying that on more than one occasion in my past <laughs> i i ate dirt <laughs> yep I, I take it sound of fingers cracking tracks <sighs> book being grabbed <laughs> yeah so we were going to be talking about defending and uh you know tearing it down so what is your defense of min-maxing? Oh, simple. Like I said at the beginning, there's a place for it. There is a place for those over-the-top cinematic-level characters who can throw down at things that are beyond your normal achievable results if you're just doing straight rolls. You're, you're, suddenly, you're suddenly putting characters on the field who can stand toe-to-toe with entire platoons of dead boys and walk out the other side barely sweating. And you you can have those... It's harder with psionics and magic users, but you can have those characters that are throwing powers and spells all day and dealing with the effects of strain and successfully mind-controlling people and all of that, so... Yeah, it, it can be a lot of fun to see an effective mechanical set of combinations play out. It can be really fulfilling to to actually get your <laughs> murder hobo on. To get yeah, to get your murder <laughs> hobo on, to get your complete, you know, Frankenstein's monster kind of of beefcake character out there on the table and just totally dominate that that thing that you're good at or you know, it can be really, really, really fulfilling to see your alpha strike take flight. Yes. And I've been guilty of this many times in the past of, you know, focusing almost entirely on mechanical efficiency and not so much on anything else. Parents don't have them. They died. What about uh, friends and family? No. Have a uh, wife and family? They're dead, too. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. all I am is a sword, <laughs> a sword in the arm that wields it and a plus 17 to strike at level two. Or something. <laughs> you know, it's, I've played that character and these days I don't find that all that fulfilling anymore. I, I prefer having a character that has uh, a, a greater variety of things that they can do. Like if I, if I'm going to sit and look at my sheet, and get some inspiration of things to do. I want uh, a smattering of mm-hmm. you know, a, a broad scope. Mm-hmm. Well, you also pointed out one big differential that makes min-maxed characters more acceptable and more fun for the entire group at the table. When you don't do, there's nobody but me, my trench coat, and my katana. <laughs> when you actually have a min-maxed character who's got a fleshed out background, who's got a, um, a, a deep lore behind them. You can achieve the same results, but it feels better for everybody. 
oh, why are you this maxed out, you know, gunslinger from the Wild West book in Riffs? Well, it's because I come from a small community where I was the guy who was called upon to keep the community safe from bandits, outlaws, uh, DBs that were prowling around the edges of it. Uh, I had the natural gifts for it, and I've devoted my life to protecting my community, my wife and kids, and my extended family. And suddenly, the same character with the same stats suddenly feels more full. Mm-hmm. There's there's more of a reason for it. And it, it puts drives in there. And it helps the party feel like you're less of a one note character, even though mechanically you kind of are, there's more things for the game master to grip upon. And, and that's why min maxing isn't bad always because you, if you pair it with introducing a rich character, that's not just, I kill things and that's all I do. Yeah. When you, when you choose to, where am I going with this? When you're building a character and you're selecting that list of skills, a good way to take a min-maxed character and give them just a little bit more personality is to, instead of filling out your secondary skill list with every single physical skill that you can get to boost those numbers, consider adding a handful of just really weird skills Mm -hmm. that you got from somewhere. And then develop a story about why you have this skill. And we're talking not even adventuring skills. Like, if we're looking at Palladium Fantasy, because that's where my brain has been lately, because I've just started a first edition game, breeding dogs. Mm-hmm. Yep, I have breeding dogs, or falconry, mm-hmm. or um, heraldry, or animal husbandry, or gem cutting. You know, I just have this weird hobby that mm-hmm. I go through and I, I'm really good at cutting gems for mm-hmm. some reason. And okay, where'd you learn how to do that? Uh, what uh, did you apprentice somewhere? And suddenly you can take this character that has <laughs> a laser focus in somewhere, you know, in one scope of the game. And then just with one or two little skills and a story for each one, now you have a min-maxed yet also interesting character that will probably probably be fun for everybody else at the table as well. And that's actually one of the strengths of the Palladium system overall because so many of the combat classes come with so many of the combat skills already prepackaged in what you're going to get anyway. You you can get well into the range of min-maxing and still have a couple skills over here to become like this really good cook. And, you know, it's mom taught me. What do you want? You know, by the way, uh, do you, anybody mind if I make risotto for dinner tonight on the trail? You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a world class bodybuilder, pro lifter, triathlete. Oh, but I was on a season of the British baking show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Palladium is an easy system to min-max if you are given a lot of openness to make a character. But it's also an easy system to prevent min-maxing GMs if you don't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. 
one of those methods is something that I'll probably talk about at greater length in its own episode. But if you, instead of having players bring a concept to the table, if you instead follow classic expectation of pick your race, roll your stats, and then see where things go from there, you might find out that you're going to have a lot more variety in characters and fewer opportunities for said min-maxing. I mean, yeah, there will be exceptions to that, but I, I feel that the divination method of character creation tends to be a lot more organic and create more versatile characters. What do you mean when you say divination method of character creation? So the divination method being, I'm going to roll my dice in order and see what I get and go from there. Got it, got it. Instead of, I'm sitting at the table to play a human paladin. Okay, well, I need to make my stats work for a human paladin. But in Palladium, Palladium uses the old school approach of OCCs having attribute requirements. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, uh, if your GM is going by the letter of the rule, then not every character that you can sit down to make a character that you were intending to be one class, but if they're not good enough for that class, you either GM might let you fudge the dice up a little bit and you know make up the difference or move some things around, and that's its own style of min-maxing. But I prefer myself as a player and I prefer to see, as a GM, somebody sit down without an idea of what they're going to play. Or just the basic, I'm going to play a dwarf. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see what I get. Yep. And especially with Palladium, with racial character classes, you can do some of that. You can preload some of that. Like, I'm going to pl- I'm going to play a dwarf. Well, there's your RCC. Now here's your stat dice. So mm-hmm. you, you can pre-choose some of that with Palladium, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. And... Humans, of course, have three dice down the line, so you have a lot more leeway if your GM lets you assign them as you wish. With the non-humans, they're all over the board. So, you know, uh, an elf, which is 3-3-2-3-4-3-5-3, I've known that for 30 years now, is, you know, you you can't take that physical beauty stat and assign it to your IQ or something. So there's there's less leeway with non-humans. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well said. Uh, I think we're now reaching for concepts. So I think we've talked about this about as much as we can. Yeah, I mean, from here, we'd be devolving into conversations about, like, uh, equipment fondling and that sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Explaining why your juicer somehow got its hands on a freaking Glitter Boy power armor and stuff like that. But (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Oof. That's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just start the game with a rune sword. Wait, how did you get that? Well, I just I want it. Uh it, okay, yeah. I, I could complain. I know that we're talking about min-maxing. We're we're not really talking about Yeah, I mean how to do it yeah. effectively, just whether or not it can be done in a way that doesn't suck. Yeah. And and we discussed that there's a, is a difference between min-maxing and power gaming. Like I would like if you could come up with reasoning from the rule book for why your juicer had clear boy power armor, I would be like, all right, that that's power gaming. Ah, that <laughs> That's nothing. I mean, like for a long time, anyone who threw down a wolfen, I'm like, okay, so you're a power gamer. Got it. Okay. <laughs> hey, I love wolfen. I love wolfen yeah. too. But I mean, It's clear that Palladium loves the wolfen oh, too because... Yeah. 
Wolf at love all the way. Yeah, Don't get yeah. me wrong. It's just that <laughs> the nineties were a hard time and anyone who sat down with a wolf and you had to give a hard side eye to, to figure out what you were getting into. And if they sat down with a changeling, they were probably going to, you know, Oh, they were there to screw the party. They were there to screw the party. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or as I, I know it's not the same thing in Palladium, but I like to say they're there to chaotic neutral their way to, to mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and close this out. That's been our chat on defending and breaking down approaches to min-maxing. It's just kind of a vague conversation, but it's been on our minds. So had a little chat about it. Thanks for joining Jacob today. Well, we've got a few more episodes that are in this batch. So the next few will also have Jacob on the microphone. Thanks for having me. Good night, folks. Starships, magic, mystic martial arts, romance. All of these can be found in A Cloak of Blades by Isaac Sher. You might have heard my name before. I've done a lot of voiceover work for Breakfast Puppies. And I've recently released my first novel. It's available on Amazon as an ebook and paperback, and you can get it for free if you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription. I do hope you'll support my work as you're supporting Breakfast Puppies. And it's been a pleasure talking with you today. Have a good one. You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, The Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.